Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life. Technology is a tool. It doesn't need to use you, you can use it. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another tantalizing episode of Dates and Mates. I don't have to tell you that dating It's a journey, right? It's a process of trial and error and learning and vulnerability and compromise. And it's not easy, but nothing worthwhile is easy. And the most important thing is that you enjoy yourself along the way. And that's why I have certified clinical sexologist and sex and dating coach Maisha Battle joining me today. She's going to be talking about her new book, This is supposed to be fun. And she will tell us how to find joy in hooking up, settling down, and everything in between. But we always kick off the show with some big headlines. And this one is a doozy. Thinking about your ex can improve your current relationship, a new study claims. Ooh, I can't wait to dive into that. And then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle this complex question. What are the styles of conflict resolution and how do you determine your own? Ooh, not only is this supposed to be fun, this is going to be fun today. All right, let's dish. These dating dish. Best Life Magazine says thinking about your ex can improve your current relationship, according to a new study. So they acknowledged previous studies, which sounded very grounded and sensical. Wait, is that a word? Sensical? No, it's not. But I like it. Let's let's make it a thing. Uh, so they cited a 2012 and a 2016 study that the first one showed that increased longing for ex-partners led to a decline in relationships over time. Uh-huh. Remember that word, longing. And then the next study concluded that communication with a former flame can have harmful effects on a current partnership. Honestly, I read this. I was like, yeah, like, duh. But then, but then enter the European Journal of Social Psychology, who published a new study that said the potential positive influence of former romantic partners could actually help your relationship. So here's how they did it. Psychologists at the University of Kansas did three experiments, and the participants were instructed to reflect on a past relationship focusing on, another buzzword here, nostalgic memories. Researchers then asked the volunteers about how satisfied they were in their current relationship, the love they felt towards their partner, and how motivated they were to stay in the relationship. Interestingly, reflecting on memories with an ex improved participants' feelings in all three areas. And then they asked people how they felt they'd changed since being with their last partner. And what they concluded is that self-growth was identified as a potential underlying mechanism for the positive effects of nostalgic memories of an ex. So let's break this all down because remember the word nostalgia and how I really emphasize that. And our longtime Dates and Mates listeners are saying, ding, 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 I get it, Demona, because you're always talking about nostalgia on dates. So those of you who are newer to the show, let me catch you up. When you're on a first date, a lot of times you're running a script. And 
We're going to talk about that a lot more later in the show. But when we start to run the same script over and over and over again, it becomes really boring. And this is why I'm always talking to clients about storytelling, getting people to answer questions that tell a story about them or an experience they had. And in that, I've said, ask questions about things that evoke feelings of nostalgia, like what did you and your family do for summers as a kid? And what happens in those moments when they are reflecting on a nostalgic moment, that hopefully a happy nostalgic moment, and then you can connect to them about a similar moment in your lifetime. So maybe you didn't do the same thing that they did in the summers, but you start to have positive memories about your own summers, or you start to sort of place yourself in their memories as they are sharing this story with you. And I find that this can be really bonding for particularly for strangers or people who are new in a relationship to tap into nostalgia. So this this study was really interesting to me because if we were to then play it forward, extrapolate down the road, and think of the nostalgia as being a tool you can use not just in new relationships, but also in existing relationships. And that somehow thinking of nostalgic moments with other partners can be positively correlated with new moments you're creating with your current partner. There's research that supports that What's happening in your prefrontal cortex of your brain is when you visualize something, it triggers the same sensors as when you are having the experience. And this is why visualization is so important and why it's such a part of my Dating Accelerator program is really placing yourself in the future. So I'm like scratching my head now and really getting curious about what does it mean for past memories? Like if you overlay that past memory of something that was positive with your current experience in your current relationship, could that feeling of nostalgia actually overlay this new experience? And could you transfer those past feelings to the current experience the same way you could transfer future experiences to your current experience? I know, it's like the matrix, you guys. Which pill did you just take? I don't know. Which pill am I taking? It's, I, I just find the brain so fascinating and how we use it to connect with other humans and to tell ourselves stories and to guide our experiences and even in dating and who we connect with. So, you know, if you, if you were like, I'm not following you on the brain science, that's cool. I, I'll give you just one easy takeaway. Bring in that feeling of nostalgia on your future dates. Ask questions that get people to tell a story about something nostalgic and relatable in the past. And then the second part of this is what they were saying in the self-growth. That's a really hard word to say. (laughs) Self-growth part. How can we use our past relationships as a tool to inform our future relationships instead of just being like, ah, that jerk, I don't even like him, and he was X, Y, and Z. How can you say, hmm, what 
role did I play in that past relationship and how it ended up? And what can I learn that I can apply to my current or future relationships? Who knows? Maybe the keys to unlocking clear communication, which we'll be talking about later in today's show, and the keys to feeling bonded with someone and all those things that you desire in a relationship, maybe actually some of the answers to what you need lie in your past relationships. I find it very fascinating. And the rest of the show is going to be just as fascinating too. When we come back, Maisha Battle will be here with me to coach you through finding joy in every step of the dating journey. Lovers, I'm going to level with you. We just passed Quitter's Day. If you don't know what Quitter's Day is, it's that day when all the people that came into the new year with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and passion for changing their lives and forming new habits basically quit. They give up. They throw in the towel. They're like, oh, that was a nice idea, but I ain't going to the gym. (laughs) I'm not eating healthy anymore. I didn't actually want to do dry January. I quit. (laughs) And that's one category of people. And then there are procrastinators, the people that like maybe didn't even get started at the beginning of the year. And they're looking around for a sign that it's time to make a change. Like, oh, is now when I'm going to change my life? Is it this? I, I, I just, I need someone to tell me. I need a path drawn out for me because it's just too hard to get started. And then there are action takers. And action takers are the people that say, I'm setting my mind towards following a new path. I'm showing up and doing something different. And I know that it takes practice and it takes support and community and a system to form a new habit or to have a new experience. And that's why I'm just telling you one last time about the Dating Accelerator program because we do have some procrastinators out here. You miss the early bird, you miss the free intro class, but are you going to miss your chance to turn your dating life around? Or are you going to be an action taker? Are you someone who knows that who you choose to partner with is the most important decision you will ever make in your life? It affects every other area of your life. Hands down, most important decision, more important than your job, more important than where you live, more important than even your your finances, because who you partner with, that's going to affect your finances. And are you someone who wants to have support to navigate the ups and downs of life? But here's the catch. Are you someone who deserves to have what other people have, a loving partnership? Don't you deserve that? I think you do. I think everyone deserves to be loved. So this is really and truly the final decision moment. Our live classes for the Dating Accelerator program begin Wednesday, January 25th. And this is the only time that I will be running this course live this year. Every week you join us, you'll get a powerful meditation. Every week you'll get a lesson that expands upon what you learn in your at-home study materials, which you get access to right from the beginning of this program. Every week you do live partner work and breakout rooms to bring those lessons to life and put them in your body. And every week you get Q&A time with me and with Coach Marquise to understand how to navigate through your specific relationship challenges. And every week the live calls will be uploaded if you can't make it live. I've added a three-pay payment plan. So if you're looking for a sign, I'm giving you your sign. I'm confirming this is your moment. So are you going to take my hand and finally do this? Finally put into practice what you've learned from being a longtime listener of this show? Or are you going to let your dream relationship slip through your fingers again? 
If we're both lucky, I'll see you tomorrow. Sign up at thedatingsecret.com. It's the last call. We have three spots left, and I want you to be one of them. Go to thedatingsecret.com to get your spot today. Welcome back. I am here with Maisha Battle. She's a certified clinical sexologist, a sex and dating coach, an educator, and a speaker. Her work has been featured in The Washington Post, New York Magazine's The Cut, Refinery29, Oprah Magazine, San Francisco Chronicle, Playboy. She went up to me on that one. <laughs> Nylon and more. Her new book, This is Supposed to be Fun, How to Find Joy in Hooking Up, Settling Down, and everything in between is out today. So you better get your smooches ready for Maisha Battle. Smooches right back. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. Man, your book is right on time because we are here in peak dating season, as we call it in the biz, and everything's ramping up. And I feel like the title of your book, Maisha, it really just captured what so many people are feeling. So many of my Dates and Mates listeners are thinking right now, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> That's right. It's supposed to be fun, but somehow we seem to have lost our way. <laughs> what inspired Definitely. you to write this book right now? I was inspired by my Instagram audience. I was doing Q&As and I just kept hearing this theme over and over again. Like, how do we become like more intentional with our dating so that it is more fun? So yeah, I really yeah. felt like it was time to try to condense some of the things that I had done with my clients into book form so that I could, you know, help a larger audience of people. Absolutely. And so much of what you said in the book really aligns with what I've said here on this podcast. And you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with the intentionality. I just, you know, being the voice of my listeners right now, I, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, they're thinking, well, Demona's always telling me this is how to do it. And yet it doesn't feel romantic. And sometimes it feels like a lot of work. And I, it, full disclosure, it kind of is. is. But my feeling is that anything that is important in your life, you've had to put in a little bit of effort. And yet I feel like we were sold a little bit of a bill of goods here in, in dating that maybe the focus on the fun part put us in a place where we were expecting not to have to do anything. I know. Maybe maybe I'm like out here. I don't know, Maisha, but I feel like your book's kind of an intersection of that, right? I hope so. I really hope so. Because I think that what we tend to lack in a lot of the media that we consume is that nuanced discussion of what it takes to actually have intention in dating and how that can actually support you having more fun. So I, I really appreciate your perspective because, you know, you, you have you know, tried to encourage people to be values aligned, to really like look at mm -hmm. qualities that someone may bring into your life and focus in on what it is that you're looking to have in terms of experiences. And with my focus too, like I wanted to recognize that a major focus for people dating is to try to gather sexual experiences. But again, like I think like hooking up that fun part is mistaken for like the whole of dating. And so 
I have clients mm. come to me and say like, Maisha, I want to date. I want to use the apps, but I'm not a hookup person. And I say, you know, the, the apps are good for all kinds of connection. You don't just have to join them to hook up and you don't have to just join if you're like looking to get married and settled down right away. Everything, every type of connection is happening everywhere on every single app. So I really do think that there's, you know, a lot out there that people don't avail themselves of because they just kind of get this narrow perspective of what dating it's supposed to be and what they think it's about instead of interjecting more of what they want from the process and who they are. So that's where we start. Oh, that oh man, you are okay. You're we're we're getting into it now because you you really you really said a lot in that. Like that this is supposed to be. It's almost like it's this is supposed to be dot dot dot. And that story that we tell ourselves about what this is supposed to be often gets in the way of what it actually is. But I want to back up a little bit further in what you started saying around sexual experiences. And in the book, you even you ask people to identify their sexual values and really look at those past experiences. Can you walk us through that process without giving it all away because everybody's got to get the book. This is supposed to be fun. But can you can you like walk us through a little bit of what that process would look like with a client as you start to uh, help them figure out their sexual experiences and values? Absolutely. So I love sexual values as a way to help my clients get the words they need to describe what they're looking for. And this is just a classic coaching kind of practice, right? If you work with a career coach or a nutrition coach, they're going to ask you, you know, what are your values? Like, what are your goals? What are you looking for? And those values words may help you to get, you know, a job where you have security or, you know, a lot of freedom or, you know, room for advancement. And yeah, it does require some thought into, well, what kinds of experiences do you want to create? And I do believe that people have an innate sexuality to them that maybe aligns better with certain people than others. And because sex is so stigmatized in our culture, that tends to take a backseat or we allow that part of ourselves to maybe come through in ways that, you know, we expect other people to just meet us in our own energy. And sometimes that works out. But I think what's better is to be very clear about what it is that you want, what it is that you like, either based on completely from fantasy, if you don't have that much sex experience, or based on reality, things that, you know, really, really did support you in your full expression as a sexual being, qualitatively taking from that and then putting that in some way in the profile in a way that makes you feel comfortable or giving that information to dates as you're getting to know them and talking naturally about like, Oh yeah, this, you know, romantic relationship went this way and the sex was really good, but the relationship wasn't really supportive. And this is why the sex was good for me. Right. I would love for people to have more kinds of conversations like that and more comfort with expressing their sexuality. Because what happens is that I also work with couples who have been together for years And they haven't had these kinds of conversations. They don't know how to align sexually. And their sexual values may be very different, but complementary when we kind of, you know, take a look at that. Or they might have a lot of overlap, which is important to know and to affirm in a relationship. Yeah. And I love how you access that in the book through visualization as well. Like it's this uh, sort of mental and experiential 
balance that you offer people in that chapter. Like you have, you, you say, think about a time when sex was really good for you. <laughs> I mean, really, really good. And I quote, and then uh, you walk us through who you were with. How did you feel? What was being done? Even like what time of year it was? And then correlating that with a particular word. Um, I think that can be really powerful, but I'm curious to know how in your work you see those that that visualization and that examination of prior experiences, how you use that to help people guide their path going forward and connect it to the language that's really important to harness. Yes, this comes through in clients who I've had in the past who you know really struggle to fully experience sex with people that they are maybe intellectually or emotionally aligned. That's the, you know, sex that feels really, really good to them. And they're like, there's something wrong. Like I can connect on all these levels, but in the bedroom, something just doesn't work for me. And I'm looking for a specific type of thing. So I'm like, well, what is that thing? <laughs> you know, uh, it's different for you. It's different for me. It's different from the person next door, you know? So we really do try to dig into what are the values that have come up when sex was really good. And, you know, a, an example that I give in the book is, you know, my clients who find themselves on like the kink spectrum, you know, so they're looking for like kinky connections in kind of a vanilla context. And they're not quite sure how to present that information. Maybe they don't even identify as kinky, but they have sort of qualitative things that they can then label as, ah, well, maybe that is my kink, right? Or, you know, I'm, I'm noticing mm. this pattern in my past of a power dynamic that emerges in sex, sex that really um, brings me to this level that is unparalleled. And I'm not finding that in these other mm. relationships where everything else seems aligned, except for this. So that's when we start to say, okay, well, how do we build that into what you're asking for in your profile? Or how can you include that in your banter when you first start you know, messaging with someone? Can you drop little hints of the flavor that you want to bring? And you know, will that person be receptive to that? And if so, can you talk to them a little bit more about what they're into, what they like? But there's also a lot of other folks out there that may not be aligned. And we have to do our work to sort of find those people who are the best matches, who are going to provide the best experience. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciated that about the book and also how how you really shine a spotlight on the fact that people are on apps for different reasons. And we make the assumption that everyone is there same for the same reason that we are. But I love how you even broke it down into what are what is the exact language that you can use to either articulate what you're looking for or to filter for what you're not looking for. And I think this is vitally important because people will kind of skip ahead. Maybe it's that they see the phrase and they don't they want something different, so they think they'll change the phrase, or they don't recognize that the phrase corresponds to a specific want, desire, need, value in mm -hmm. the dating app. Yes. I think that that filter is really important. It's hard to put up a dating profile, you know, 
And so when people put words out there, as silly as they might be, you can glean something from that. <laughs> you know? Yes. I just want to like shine a light on some of the ones that you've, you featured. Like, okay, mo- like a lot of our Dates and Mates audience, not everyone, a lot of the people in Dates and Mates audience are looking for a relationship, for monogamy, for, um, you know, f- for their singular person. But uh, we're on these apps and we're seeing phrases like, as as you note in the book, keeping things casual, hookups okay with me, not interested in long-term relationships. I'm here for fun, but open to possibilities. I think that one is really key. Like, I'm here for this, but I'm open to possibilities. I, I, I read that and I'm like, the possibilities they're open to are like <laughs> kink, non-monogamy, swinging. Like, it's it's to me a very clear, this person is looking for a hookup as you yeah. have identified in the book, but I feel like sometimes people don't know how to read phrases like that. Yes. Well, it's hard to read. And it's also, I think it's, it's worth noting that it's hard to put out there. So I love the, Mm. you know, phrase, like when people show you or tell you who they are, believe them. Right. Um, And so in this context, people will reveal who they are through the dating process. And if you notice that the words are not aligned with the actions and you're putting as much as your full self out there as you can and expecting that in return, if that doesn't feel aligned, then yeah, that's a conversation. That's, that's definitely a, a red flag. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, it is helpful to, to believe because you have no reason not to <laughs> what people say about themselves in their profile. If it says that they're looking for casual, you can go ahead and swipe left no matter how hot they are. Or another thing I advocate in my book is if you really think they're hot and you want to swipe right, go for it. You know what I mean? Like I think too, we, we want, we're very results driven people. And I think sometimes those deviations away from, you know, what it is that we're really core focused on can help to give us a little bit more context or guidance in the future so yeah i mean follow your whims a bit don't get like too too hyper focused especially like if you want to have a little fun that's okay um it's supposed to be yourself yeah don't beat yourself up over it and and say well i'm never going to get married because you know i had a hookup last week and what does that say about me right it's just like there's too many things already in the world to judge ourselves for let dating be something that you really find mm. some respite and joy from. Thank you for that perspective. I, I think that's really key to keep that in mind. And also to remember that we don't have to just be one thing. Like we can have our overall goal of I have relationship goals, but I like this person. They It says in their profile, <laughs> not looking for anything serious. I read that. And to really take it at face yeah. value. And, you know, like you said, like looking at the, the actions, because I get so many questions on the show, like, I don't know what it means. Or this person said they were looking for a relationship, but now now that we're dating, we're in the dating process, they're pulling back and saying, oh, I don't know if I'm ready right now. Like, uh, as much as it sucks to be on the receiving end of that, in a way we have to let that be okay, but we don't necessarily have to maintain a relationship with that or keep pining for it to become something more. 
It just is. A couple things that that were very personal for me, I think put in a client context, but really I was speaking, you know, from from my old dating life was yeah, I realized that I wasn't going to be everybody's flavor, you know? Like that was such a turning point mm-hmm. in my dating experience was, you know, realizing that I was going to have breakups and that that didn't define me, you know, that for whatever reason that I will probably never know or understand, someone just didn't like me enough to do the thing that I wanted to do with them, right? And vice versa. I didn't like people enough to do the thing that they wanted to do with me. And whether that was a hookup, a long-term relationship, dating casually, like whatever. It's just we're we're constantly changing and evolving and like you said we we you know we we contain multitudes. So we can have competing mm-hmm. desires at the same time. The part that I think is really important is when you mm. bring that intentionality, when you are reading, when you are thoughtful, when you're not just doing the mindless swipe on a Friday night where you have the TV going and like the radio on and then like your phone in your hand and someone's talking to you, you know, it's just no, like be intentional, be with the process and really think about where your head is at. Cause sometimes your head is at a fun time and sometimes your head is at, mm, this is, this is somebody I could see something really serious with. And, and I want to take my time with just this person. So, you know, listen to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So speaking of taking time with just this person, there was another section in the book that I was like, we got to talk about this. Mm-hmm. The sex buddy. <laughs> the sex buddy, which some of some of whom you call, yeah. quote, the gift. Um, but, you know, I think y- you've, you've laid out sort of the pros and cons of the sex buddy and the different types of sex buddies. I feel like... It's a slippery slope. <laughs> and I'm not saying that in a kinky way. I think the sex buddy can be, <laughs> can be a, a crutch in some ways. And I really look at just our energetic exchange, whether it's texting and being online, sending messages to this person you've never met, or having sex with somebody with no intention behind it, or having... A uh, sex buddy that you always go to when you don't have another date lined up. I just look at the energetic transaction of that. And I find that sometimes when people are focused on finding a long term serious relationship, that holding on to the sex buddy, it's sort of like snacking. It's like, well, I'm not really like, I'm not really hungry, but I'm not really full. <laughs> so it's sort of like a relationship snack. And I'm totally open to being re-educated and reframed on that. But what do you think? Well, I think like any relationship, there can be an unhealthy component to hanging on to somebody for too long. But the framing of this person who, you know, might might present as a sex buddy as the gift is more like, you know, the example that I gave, if you're on the hunt for a long term relationship, but you get sort of seduced by a profile, somebody who's just too hot to resist. And like, there's just something about them that you're intrigued by. And you follow that whim. And the sex is amazing. (laughs) You know, like there's a positive, you know, qualitative experience that you can really be boosted by. I say yes to that. I say that's okay, because I do think there are learnings there. So, so many of my clients will have those deviations 
you know, they'll come to me and be like, oh, you know, I, I did this thing and I met this person. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, tell me what it was like, you know, tell me what you're getting from this experience. And that's really where we continue the conversation. Okay, you're getting this. And I also know from our working together that you want this. Do you think this is the type of person that's going to be able to give that to you? No, but it's just like fun for the time being. Great. So, you know, my role as a coach is to kind of watch that relationship for them. You know, that's that's one of the beauties of working with people over months at a time is you can kind of go, okay, like what's going on? <laughs> like, let's check in. But yeah, I mean, I have had clients too who have expressed that they've had friends who kind of show up in their lives, you know, many years in between during really critical points in their life that help them to sort of get through to their next level. And I'm thinking about people who, you know, maybe Hmm. have to go home because something like, you know, very personal happens in the family or something like that. And when they go home, there's just always this person there who's available for them in this sexual way or even in an emotional way. And I think those relationships can be valuable. I think some of the things that we carry into relationship, it is that tinge of judgment where it's like, if it's not exactly this that I want, then it's bad. Right. And I think there's, or then it's nothing, or then then it's it's nothing. And I can treat the person like nothing. That's I think where we go wrong too, where it's like, You know, just because this is a sexual connection, it's a connection. It's an exchange. Like you said, there's an energetic exchange I get from you, you get from me. Like, it's a relationship of sorts. And we have to acknowledge that. Where I think it can get people in the weeds and keep them from achieving their goals is I want to make this something it's not. That can be emotionally draining for sure. Have I been there? Yes. Uh, did I learn a lot? Yes. Was it always fun? No. But I had to learn my lesson and to figure out how to manage my own energy and to know when someone was presenting those qualities that I was like, okay, this is how I can engage. You are a little snack. I'm going to snack and I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's just a little snack. But sometimes you know, hey, this isn't working. Whether it's a hookup or a sex buddy or a long-term relationships, sometimes it, it ain't happening. And I love that you also walk us through a very intentional and authentic, vulnerable way of having those breakup conversations or those reframing conversations. So in the book, you you share the SBI feedback model. Can you talk us through what that is and how it works? Yes. Um, So this is basically something that I picked up in like, you know, managerial training in a former life, but it has served me well in multiple contexts, including client work. But um, in terms of breaking up, the SBI model or situation behavior impact helps us to get a sort of framework to filter our emotions and the things that we're going through (laughs) when pre-breakup thoughts start to creep in where you think to yourself, am I not as attracted to this person as I thought I was? Or is this connection not as strong? You know, those kinds of thoughts can be really confusing. So, you know, I try to get my clients to think about what's happening or what happened to make them feel 
a little bit of doubt. And sometimes the situation is very clear. It's like, oh, you know, they said this, this, and this, and that directly conflicts with what they told me they were looking for. So now I'm wondering if this is the right match for me, right? So it's very clear to to point that out to someone. Hey, like the situation is that things aren't adding up. You said this one thing, but then we were on a date and you said this other thing. And it's really the impact of that is that I'm starting to doubt whether or not we're a good fit because you know very, very much that I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And so it's... And do we actually say like the situation is, the behavior is, and the you impact? No, you don't have it's to. It's implied. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just the framework. So for instance, it could be like, you know, I've been giving what you said last night a lot of thought. You know, when we were out on our date, you said that you were happy that we were keeping things casual. And that took me aback. So that's the impact, you know, like, so we've already talked about the Mm -hmm. situation and the behavior. Behavior is, you told me one thing, (laughs) and it's different from what you said. So that took me aback, because that's not what you said before, um, or it's not what you shared in your profile. So that you're looking for, and you know that I'm looking for a relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's just really got me concerned. So that's that's sort of how we can use that as a way to give feedback to someone. And, you know, that's an opportunity for that person to, to step up and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I I was that was a joke, you know, and it didn't land well or, um, you know, or maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it. And this does feel more like a casual thing to me. Right. So it, it, it can be a way to start those conversations yeah. and to get into the weeds a little bit with people no matter like how early or how late things have been, things have been going on, it's, it's just a, a good way to organize your thoughts and to be able to give that feedback in a way that feels authentic to you. Mm, that is so key. And that's really, I would say a theme that's threaded throughout the book of really getting clarity on what you want. Well, who you are, you start with, you know, know thyself is the first section, figure out what, who you are, what you want. And then really be intentional about how you go about getting that and how you go about communication. I I just find that when we come to the table, like I know there's ghosting you talk about in the book too, like there's ghosting, there's breadcrumb, there's all these big bad things out there (laughs) that get in the way of real connection, but we can't control other people, right? We can only control how we show up, how we communicate and how we let that tell us stories about who we are, our worthiness, you know, and what what a relationship or a situationship or a <laughs> F-buddyship means to us. So thank you for helping us, uh, helping us make dating fun again. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Any final thoughts on just as we, as we look ahead to we're in peak dating season as we look ahead in 2023 what people should keep in mind um in their dating journey right now to get us back to the place where this is fun again yes i think there's a couple things i think you know beginning of the year you know you may have set some intentions to start a new relationship or start dating and that's great you know i just really want to encourage you to think about why you're here, what are you doing it for? And to really craft a strong long-term goal that you're working towards. I think that's really, really helpful. 
an intention of having a, a relationship is kind of a, a start, but getting really nuanced about how you want to feel in your next relationship, the qualities that you find that you're drawn towards in other relationships in your life, like key friendships, you know, how do you want to be able to say, oh, these are my people. I'm drawing in my right people. Great. This is working, right? And if you don't feel that, then of course, read my book. <laughs> but it can help you to, to start drawing in your people. But, you know, some of you may find that just hearing this and setting that intention and getting really clear about how you want to feel is enough that you can put yourself out there and, and start attracting the, the right kinds of people for you. Technology is a gift and it's a tool. So it doesn't need to use you. You can use it to your advantage. And I think there are many ways to do this, but using apps is, is a start. And, you know, even doing like pre-date vetting videos, that can save you a lot of, you know, time and energy, just, you know, meeting up for a quick FaceTime before you meet in person to kind of gauge someone's energy and see if that online banter, the da 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 matches with the actual like voice and tone and and content of what they're saying. Those are two big pieces of advice that I give my clients over and over again. Like use the technology to your advantage. Don't let it, you know, overtake your life because that is majorly not fun. Thank you so much for joining me, Maisha. Make sure you follow Maisha on Instagram at Myisha Battle. That's M-Y-I-S-H-A-B-A-T-T-L-E. And check out this new book. This is supposed to be fun. How to find joy in hooking up, settling down, and everything in between. You know how we do it. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. What are the four styles of conflict resolution? Should I stick to one? (laughs) Stay with me. We are in the countdown to Valentine's Day. So I know you got questions and the DMs are open. You can submit a voicemail a DM, an email to me anytime. I'll tell you how at the end of the show. But for now, you got to hear this question. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. We got this Instagram DM from Taba. She says, Dear Damona, love your podcast. Love you too. She said, you mentioned that there's a there's four key compatibility markers, one of them being conflict resolution. Would you explain the different styles of conflict resolution in one of your episodes, as well as how to identify your own or your date style? Thank you for your question. Okay, we're about to go to church right now because there's there's two different things that are happening that that I want to make sure are crystal clear for everybody. What I think you heard me talking about was the four factors of long-term compatibility. So that is shared values, common goals for the future, communication and conflict resolution, and trust and mutual respect. And guess what? You're in luck because I've written an entire book on this topic, but it's not out until next year. So Cliff's Notes version is... There's not one style. Those are all of the pillars of long-term compatibility that you need to build. Imagine like you're building a table. You need all those to be strong. So you need to have shared values or at least honor one another's values. You need to have common goals for the future. Otherwise, you're building a different dream. You need to have clear communication and be able to resolve conflict, even if you have different conflict resolution styles. And you need to have 
trust and mutual respect. But that's something that takes a long time to figure out. You're not going to go on one date and be like, can I trust this person? And if you are doing that, please stop because you don't know enough in one date to be able to trust someone. So that is part A of this. Part B of your question, though, there actually are different conflict resolution styles. And in my book, forthcoming in 2024, I actually reference some of Dr. John Gottman's conflict styles. And he has five that he has identified. And Cliff's notes on Gottman, if you don't know him or you're not following him and, and his wife, Dr. Julie Gottman, and their work, I mean, they are, I call them in December, the relationship goats. Like they are the gold standard for relationship coaching and therapy. And a lot of their work is based on when Dr. John Gottman began his practice, he he did this study and he could predict the likelihood of divorce in the couples he studied with 90% accuracy. And one of the patterns that he recognized in the couples that made it, that did not get divorced, is that they had what he calls the magic ratio of positive interactions to negative ones of five to one. So this means that for every negative interaction, there are five or more positive interactions. I'm going to pause there one second to think about this current relationship or past relationships. And can you identify, oh, we had that little fight, but then there were like five different little positive interactions that we had. That's the magic ratio. So that's the signs that you're kind of looking for of how much conflict are we having. And then beyond that, there are these five conflict styles, three of which you can work with two of which kind of intense and maybe not the best for the two of you in your conflict resolution style together to try to work through it. So there are conflict avoiders and these folks, rather than trying to persuade the other person of their point of view, they seek common ground in a conflict. This is a pretty healthy, healthy balance in a couple of being interdependent and also independent. And this is supported by their ability to keep boundaries clear. Then there are volatile couples, or volatile, if you want to really be dramatic. Now, these couples, you might think hearing that word, like, oh, that's not good. No, actually, it is. These couples love to debate, but approach it as in good fun. They don't insult one another, and they emphasize connection and honesty in their conflicts. And then there are validating couples. I think my husband and I are this style. Like, I've never had it analyzed. Dr. John Gottman, please come help me and tell me. But I think we're validating. In this style, couples seek commonality. They're empathetic towards their partner and try to understand their partner's point of view in a conflict. I'm always, like, trying to, to hear what my husband is saying and meet him where he's at and then clearly express where I'm at without trying to like convince him of my point of view. So this couple tends to stay calm in their conflicts. You've probably heard me say on the show, my husband and I don't fight like ever. I think the number of times we have even raised our voices at one of one another and we've been married for 15 years, I think I can remember two times. So for me coming from a very loud family and as a child of divorce, I can tell you it's kind of nice to not have all the drama all the time, which leads me to the fourth style, which is hostile. So in this style, couples have a lot of criticism towards one another, 
and they have a hard time seeing their partner's point of view. And during conflict, couples with this style tend to reiterate their point of view without making an effort to support or understand their partner's perspective. I've certainly been in relationships like this where it's like they keep saying the same thing and trying to make their point and you're like, brah, like take a different tack. It's not working. That is hostile and that is aggressive and that's no fun in a relationship. But then you can get to really, really not fun if you are hostile detached. That's a style, hostile dash detached. And in this style, the couple stays emotionally detached from one another. And in their conflicts, they have present what Dr. Gottman calls the four horsemen. And please, like, look up Dr. Gottman's work if you don't know it, because he really, he's dedicated his life to figuring this out. But the four horsemen are the signs that a relationship is going to end or is ending. That's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, like totally shutting off. So those are all present in the hostile detached couple. And by the way, this isn't necessarily you and your conflict resolution style. This is how you show up as a couple. Is there one that's the perfect style? No. No, it's just a tool to be able to help you navigate through conflict in your relationship. So going back to your question, how do you identify yours or your own date style? I'm not sure that's even really that important. What's important is that you avoid criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling because that shows you that that person is not on your side and is not committed to conflict resolution, which is my third pillar. Lot to chew on today. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed episode 447 of Dates and Mates. You know what? If you did, why not tell somebody? Share this episode with a friend. The number one way that we get more listeners, that we help more people in love, that we heal more hearts is through personal referrals and recommendations. So even if you think your friend already listens to the show, you think that they've heard of it before, why not share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it? And take a moment, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, leave us a rating and a review. Tell me which episodes you loved, which guests you love, and I'll keep making this show for you and keep bringing you more of what you love. DMs are open. As I said earlier, you can send a message to me, voice memo or written on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Demona Hoffman. You can leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255 anytime, day or night. And if you're like, I like what Demona was talking about today. And you know what? I don't want to be a procrastinator in my dating life. I don't want to be a quitter. I know I'm ready for a relationship and I want the tools and the support to get that. Join me. The program starts Wednesday the 25th. So if you want to be one of the last three people to get in this round of The Dating Accelerator Live, go to thedatingsecret.com. We will be back next Tuesday with psychotherapist Britt Frank, who's going to be talking about the science of stuck breaking through inertia to find your path forward. I can't wait for that. Until then, I wish you happy dating.